Let me paint you a picture. A family living in a small, one-story house. A mother and her three children are crowded in their small living room, wrapped in blankets. Lights of candles flicker in the background as the rain beats harder against the house. The young mother struggles to calm her anxious children as the thunder crackles louder. Most people in her town have already gone elsewhere due to immense flooding. But this family, without a car, or money, or other relatives, or even a place to go, cannot evacuate, cannot escape. They must stay in their home during dangerous, unseasonable weather that is slowly destroying the only place they have to call home. This may sound like an unfortunate story for many, but this is a reality for a large group of people all throughout the world. Why is this happening? Why does it feel that these situations are happening more severely and more often? There is a major cause lurking right in front of us. Climate change. That was my classmate, Raleigh Bennett, and I'm Ben Hempel along with Lily Moffat and our editor, Hala Hamdan. We are ninth graders from the Franklin School of Innovation in Asheville, North Carolina. In this podcast, we hope to bring to your attention the horrific effects of climate change and how they impact various groups in the same community as you. Over the next 15 minutes of this podcast, we'll have shared with you what the Asheville government is doing to combat the effects of climate change as well as actions you can take in your daily life. According to NASA's website dedicated to climate change, the effects mentioned include increased heat, flooding, landslides, wildfires, changes in agriculture, wildlife, living conditions, seasons, prolonged drought, warm seasons. Many of these can be observed in Asheville, such as flooding, landslides, and drought. There's little differences in the weather you may or may not have noticed, such as the spring weather that occurs midwinter or the increase in downpours. Those are smaller events that add up to the major effects of climate change, but we don't have to let it be this way. There are things that can be done to combat the effects of climate change, reduce your greenhouse gas emissions, and therefore mitigate or reduce humanity's negative effects on the environment. Many people in Asheville are aware of how we impact our environment, including the government. The carbon emissions we release trap heat in the atmosphere, increasing evaporation and intense rain events, leading to more flooding. Flooding damages property, which leads to construction that increases our emissions further, one of the many cycles that impact our environment. To combat this and prepare ourselves for the effects of climate change, the city of Asheville is implementing policies and projects to change the way Asheville influences the environment. In order to find out more about these policies and projects, we talked to Amber Weaver, the head of the Department of Sustainability inside City Hall on the second floor, reached by a 20th century elevator that was manually operated. She showed us to the conference room inside her office where we began to interview her and she shared with us what her department does. So one of the things that we do for the Office of Sustainability is to provide support and recommendations along the lines of policy changes that are required to help implement sustainability goals throughout the organization. We also look at policies that help our external community members be able to better implement sustainability in their own personal homes and organizations. The City of Asheville has been creating policies to reduce our carbon emissions as a city and starting projects to help citizens do the same individually. Asheville is also focused on both climate mitigation and climate resilience. Along with AMBER, the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change explains the two. 
Climate mitigation focuses on reducing our emissions that are contributing to climate change, while climate resilience focuses on the reduction of the effects of climate change. Climate resilience also prepares everyone and everything in Asheville for extreme weather events. Examples of climate mitigation include reducing CO2 emissions, reducing our waste, and using energy-efficient equipment to save energy. Examples of climate resilience include having protection against major weather events, such as flooding, wildfires, and landslides. The policies created tend to be focused around doing one of the two ideas. We wanted to know more about the policies they had implanted. Well, the most recent policy that was passed was 100% renewable energy resolution. So a lot of that work will be will affect both internal operations from the municipal side and also we're partnering with Buncombe County on their 100% renewable energy goal which extends to the community. So we'll be looking at policies, practices and procedures on ways to best implement that policy um, both in an equitable way and also in a way where our community members can lead the charge. One of the ways the city of Asheville wants to reduce our CO2 emissions is through using renewable energy sources such as wind, solar, hydropower, etc. instead of fossil fuels. Sounds great, right? The only problem is that such a change isn't cheap and is not always fair to everyone. The city of Asheville has to take low-income families into account when they make different policies as they do not have the same access to resources as everyone else. They also are affected more negatively by climate change, as Amber pointed out. When you're thinking about being resilient, if you don't have the resources to help in, in a climate situation, if you don't have the resources for a flood, for example, if your street was to flood, your family members would pack your things, they would put you in a vehicle, they would take you to safety. Low wealth income members of our community may not have a vehicle. They may not be able to pack their things and their children and take transit to where? And do they have access to transit? Not everyone does. Not everyone can prepare for flooding. Not everyone has some place to go. And so low-income families have a different experience with the extreme weather events that have been increasing in Asheville. They cannot always be protected from them, and this emphasizes the importance of curbing our emissions. One way the city of Asheville has done this is through switching to LED streetlights, which have reduced carbon emissions and saved money through using less energy. The money saved from this change has gone into a green revolving fund, which is the funding used for a lot of the climate-related projects that the city of Asheville undertakes. These projects are started to meet goals made in the policies, and Amber was able to give us some examples of some of the biggest policies. There's Resolution 11-77, which played a very important role for the city of Asheville because it set carbon standards that we wanted to achieve. So the total amount is 80% by 2050. This resolution affects buildings, vehicles, commute, transit, water, and streetlights. One of the ways they plan to reduce our carbon emissions is to use more transit so fewer cars are being used. There is also a policy made to reduce Asheville's overall waste. Resolution 14-27 is our waste reduction goal. And that resolution um, has 
the city of Asheville reducing its waste by in half by 2035. For this policy, the city has set checkpoints to meet along the way with a 15% reduction by 2020, 25% reduction by 2025, and a 40% reduction by 2030. They plan to do this through conserving resources rather than destroying them. An example of this would be through recycling and composting. Amber also has a very positive outlook on how the city of Asheville feels about these policies and goals, which she shared when we asked her what critics said about her work. You know what? I live in Asheville. I don't have any critics that are against what it is we're doing. Mainly, we have advocates, and the advocates would like for the city and the county to, to be more progressive and for more funding to be allocated to um, this work. In particular, many businesses support what the city of Asheville is trying to do. The Collider is one such example. This is a place where people from different businesses and markets meet to discuss climate-related topics with access to the largest source of climate data, the National Centers for Environmental Information, part of NOAA. These people discuss building climate resilience within their businesses and being energy efficient. The Collider has earned Asheville the nickname Climate City according to the U.S. News. After interviewing Amber, we headed to the Green Stage Cafe, where they use renewable energy sources to power their facilities. Examples of this are solar panels they use to power their hot water using LED lights in their partnership with Arcadia Power, a company focused on using clean energy for power, specifically replacing coal-generated electricity with wind power electrons for the Green Stage Cafe. They also keep 95% of their waste out of landfills through recycling, reusing and composting as much as possible. Even Duke Energy is trying to become more progressive in terms of using clean energy. They have plans to replace their coal plant with a natural gas plant, which they plan to finish constructing at the end of 2019. The natural gas plant is planned to be 75% more energy efficient and cut CO2 emissions by 60%, sulfur dioxide emissions by 99%, nitrogen oxide emissions by 40%, and eliminate mercury emissions. Natural gas emits less CO2 because it has a higher amount of hydrogen than carbon in it. Duke Energy also plans to shut down their seven remaining coal plants in North Carolina by 2050, according to the Citizen Times. However, amidst all the benefits of the natural gas plant, an organization called Beyond Coal pressured them to do even better. Duke Energy then proposed a scaled-down plant, but it still required a smaller gas plant called a peaker plant to accompany it to meet energy demands on the colder winter mornings. The environmentalists still weren't satisfied. Duke Energy thought that the environmentalists were being unreasonable. But when Duke Energy said that they were willing to negotiate the additional peaker plant, a new resolution was created, according to the News Observer. Amber discussed the policy concerning this with us. So uh, resolution 18-05 is the Energy Innovation Task Force. The Energy Innovation Task Force played a very important role because it was a resolution that brought the city of Asheville, Buncombe County, and our utility Duke Energy Progress to the table as a partnership to work on one, making sure that the city, or excuse me, that the utility was addressing its peaker unit that it wanted to build as it transitioned from a coal to a natural gas plant. And also it addressed this second component of a clean, renewable energy future. This resolution led to the creation of the Blue Horizons Project, whose goal is to increase awareness about energy efficiency and reduce the energy demand 
so that the additional peaker plant isn't necessary. Amber recommended this project in her final message. I would love for our listeners to check out the Blue Horizons project. It's an opportunity to meet with Duke Energy Progress's staff and have them come out for um, home energy assessments to let folks know how they can reduce the amount of energy they consume and it also points to weatherization programs as well that people can have access to. Um, I think, as I said, it starts with you and in your own home, and these are first steps to help reduce energy consumption. And we agree. Everything you do to conserve energy can help mitigate our emissions, and the Blue Horizons Project gives you ways to do this. To find out more about the project that Amber had recommended so strongly, we got in touch with Sophie Molinax, the project coordinator. The Blue Horizons Project was created to obtain public support and raise awareness about energy efficiency through the Public Resources Program in Buncombe County and Asheville. We found that there are programs and resources available at low and no cost for anyone in our community to lower their energy use, but there is a gap in knowledge about, about them. And so we're working to increase awareness and connect people to those programs and resources with the goal of reducing our community's overall energy demand and a longer-term goal of reducing the need for more power plants and transmission lines being built. Um, and we also are hoping and working to support the city and the county's 100% renewable energy resolutions that have recently passed. So that's it in a nutshell. As a project manager, Sophie Molinax also attends many community meetings to help raise awareness about what we, as citizens, can do in our everyday lives to contribute to a clean energy future. But what was her definition of a clean energy future? My definition of a clean energy future is everyone having equitable access to the energy they need and not having it be a disproportionate amount of their income that they have to spend on it. Um, a clean energy future also means getting our energy from renewable sources and non-polluting sources. But maybe you feel that you can't do anything to bring about a clean energy future. But doing so is a collection of actions and you can be a part of those. One of the actions you can do is install LED lights inside your home. These lights use 80% less energy than traditional lighting and only waste 5% of the energy they use on heat. LED lights also don't use toxic elements and have roughly six times the lifespan of other light bulbs. And the best thing is, LED lights save you money. And once you install them, you don't have to do so again for 10 years or more. So you don't have to worry about that light bulb that you hate changing for a while. Think about it, change your lights now, and then you can save money and do it conveniently. However, though one person can make a difference, one person cannot significantly reduce humanity's emissions on their own. One light bulb cannot do it all. One person cannot do it all. If we all pitch in, we can make a change. If we all do our part, we can make a change. We all have a role to play in reducing our community's emissions. If we don't reduce our emissions, this can allow more extreme weather events and changes in the climate to occur hurting the environment we rely on for life. This is why it is vital for us to change what we are doing now, to change the environment's trajectory. 
One person cannot do this alone. It takes everyone uniting in a common goal. It takes everyone believing that they can make a difference. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope we were able to bring to your attention the effects of climate change and give you one simple thing you can do to help. We also want to give a special thanks to Amber Weaver and Sophie Molinex for letting us interview them and Sun Tzu Martial Arts for giving us a space to record. We also want to thank our teachers, Chris DeFiore, Jerry Lubos, Drew Fowler, and Lindsay First for guiding us along the way and making this podcast possible.